1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 108 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm your host, George Redis, along with my co host, the Chief Information Security Officer of Siena, Andy Benillo. I want to emphasize all the opinions expressed in the show on my own and not on my present or past employers. I will never disclose any sensitive intelligence or privilege to a result of my current employment. And I will never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security claims which I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government. And nothing I say during this show should be construed as legal our financial advice. So before we get started, I remind our listeners, you can go online at the Cybersecurity Hub and read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at their very cool website, www.cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub is an online news source for global cybersecurity professionals and business leaders who leverage technology and services to secure their networks. The media professionals at the Cybersecurity Hub are dedicated to providing the latest industry news, thought leadership and analysis in the cybersecurity space. So again, check out a recap of tonight's show. Get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news. Go to the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. So we had another great show last week with former FBI agent and current Chief Information Security Officer of Sixtera, Leo Tadio. Now, Leo is a very, very sharp guy. He's extremely sharp. And let me tell you something, he's a wicked smart man. I mean, he's just really intelligent. He's very articulate. And he was really spot on with a lot of things last week. I mean, when you have the former special agent in charge of the cyber division out of the New York field office of the FBI, as you could imagine, I think he's got a little something to say about how the bad guys are attacking our critical infrastructures. You know, he's in the know. so. It was very, very uh, interesting to listen to last week. Um, I know I learned a lot. I mean, Leo, Leo joined us to talk about the cyber threat and how it's changed over the years, how it's sort of morphed, uh, how different, different entities are collaborating with each other to now attack our critical infrastructures. It's getting harder for enterprises to manage cyber risk. And he also talked about why organizations can't depend on the government to protect them from cyber threats. Um, which is always very interesting. And if you're not from the government, you know, this is, that's always an interesting thought, uh, a conversation to have. So he also opined on what do you think are the biggest threats out there right now against enterprises? And what are some of the techno- technology challenges that enterprises are facing? And then we went into zero trust and he explained what zero trust means and if it's an effective approach to cybersecurity. So that was sort of the theme of the show. And then Leo also explained where he sees the cybersecurity market headed, and we talked about how crowded it is and how many tools there are out there and, and where the market's headed and how it's going to sort of all play out over the next few years. And we, we spoke about the talent shortage, of course, because it's very important. I think we'll probably touch upon it, uh, you know, at least a little bit on all of our shows because it's, it's interesting to get the views of all of our different guests um, on how they see this affecting the market and how it really plays out. Um, And then we talked about how organizations should be due to prioritize spending, which, you know, I think is a big, big problem in in the marketplace, to be honest with you. I think it's just huge. Um, The ability for CISOs to really articulate what they need and why they need it, I think is becoming so increasingly difficult for them, you know, as time goes on. And I think you really have to run it like a business. But we talked about that. And we also talked about whether or not the executives are hiring the right people in these CISO positions. And we're going to get into that a little bit in this episode as well. So it was very interesting. If, if by chance you missed the episode, then do yourself a favor. You won't be disappointed. I promise you. That's former FBI agent and current Chief Information Security Officer, Sixtera, Leo Taddeo. On last week's episode, that's episode number 107 of Task Force 7 Radio. So... If you listen to us live on Voice America right now, or maybe someone just sent you the link to this episode, you might be wondering how you can listen to all the previous Task Force 7 radio episodes on playback. Just go to our new TF7 radio site at www.tf7radio.com and hit the episode tab at the top of the homepage, and you'll find all the TF7 radio episodes at your fingertips. You can also search our guest library, which we think is the most impressive list of some of the most prolific cybersecurity professionals in the world. And of course, we have our news section, and you can interact with all the people that are listening to the show as well. It's always a lot of fun. We're on about 12 different playback mediums right now, folks. We made it easy to find them all. Just hit the subscribe button at the top right of the homepage, and you'll see your entire selection of playback mediums. And most importantly, you can subscribe to our show right from the TF7 Radio website, which is really the best way to go. So check us out, folks. www.tf7radio.com. And hear any of our episodes at your convenience 24 7, 365 anytime, anywhere around the globe. And as always, whatever you do, folks, don't forget to subscribe. We see it going up and we love it. We love it when you subscribe. Thank you so much. So, great show for you this evening, folks. My good friend Steven Spagnuolo is going to be with us this evening. And Steve leads the Digital Security and Risk and Retain Search Practices for Quantum Search Partners an Arlington, Virginia-based firm with a 25-year heritage of collaborating with clients on their most challenging to close recruitments within the technology domain areas, including software engineering, data analytics, product management, cybersecurity, and risk, of course, and it's up and down the organizational chart, right? So he was inspired to join quantum search partners after recognizing a gap in the traditional search model and offering that combines the best elements of a focused contingency practice that's responsive and economical and cultural aligned and retained search which is really research driven methodical and really highly personalized. So the quantum team recruits high impact executive management and technology professionals for both established and high growth organizations. We're going to get into this with Steve tonight and get his thoughts on things. You know, I know how much people love to listen to recruiters out there because there's so many jobs and the the market's sort of crazy and it's really convoluted and it's difficult to understand, right? So that's why we're having Steve on, because I think people really want to know how they can navigate and manage their career uh, in these in, in sort of complex times. It's really sort of a tumultuous time in the marketplace right now, especially with all the fears of, of um, the recession coming up. But prior to Quantum, Stephen was a managing director of cybersecurity practice over at ZRG Partners, also a very highly recognized global search firm. And before ZRG, he was a founder managing principal of uh, SAS, SA Search Advisors which is a boutique executive recruiting and advisory firm. So he, he's got a ton of experience in this. He also, in his, in his early years, he worked with Russell Reynolds as an associate in New York as a member of their global banking and markets practice. But he currently serves as the cybersecurity sort of quote-unquote expert on, uh, on the on-call cybersecurity headhunter with the Risk Assistance Network and Exchange and is frequently engaged as guest panelists on cybersecurity recruitment for various executive leadership summits and forums So, we're basically very happy to get, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention that he's also a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy. So, Stephen served with distinction as a U.S. Marine Corps infantry officer, and we love to have uh, former military folks on our show. We have them on all the time. And he's been deployed to multiple overseas contingencies, and and so we thank him so much for his service. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show my friend and the Managing Director of the Digital Security and Risk Search Practice for Quantum Search Partners, Mr. Steven Spagnuolo, Steve, welcome to Task Force Seven Radio, brother. Hey, George, thanks uh, for having me. Good to be here. Hey, we're really excited to have you on, and I know we got a lot to talk about, so let's jump right into it. And I, I want little—I want to talk a little bit about relationships, and I don't think people understand the importance of a, a recruiter's job when really early on in their career, because it takes years and years to build a network. And in the recruiting world, it's all about relationships, right? So, can you tell everyone? why it's important to build relationships with executive recruiters and and how they should go about doing it. Because I think a lot of people struggle with even getting in touch with the executive recruiters, right? So how do you do it?
2: Well, um, it's it's a kind of multi-pronged response. So, I I mean, I just, I'm an operator at heart. You and Andy are both operators at heart from your former lives and and currently as well. Uh, And I think, I think embedded in that is just connecting with people and, and, you know, people make the operation go, and how you how you maximize on um, operationally is just engaging with with, with people, uh, and 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 so that's a that's kind of my my springboard to um, you know in terms of recruiters. Listen, there's there's a lot of recruiters of all shapes and sizes out there. I think um, you know, some are just not pleasant to deal with, but uh, others are, and and. You know, so it goes two ways. Uh, a headhunter will reach out to a candidate or a source on a particular project. And that, that either is a, a new uh, call or a pre-existing relationship. Uh, the other way around, though, is if um, you know, a candidate um, or a prospective candidate or somebody who wants to uh, is contemplating becoming a candidate or making a move, uh, you know, it, it's incumbent upon that person as a professional to, I would argue to, to have a network of uh, recruiters. Not It doesn't have to be a wide network, but three or four, four or five that you rely on and stay engaged with. And it's information sharing, frankly. I mean, I used to cover Wall Street as a head owner, and, and And, you know, George, I mean, it's all about information and, you know, I covered investment banking. And so it's, um, information's key. Intel is key, right and it, it's not like so using people
1: though, isn't it so difficult though, Steve like for some of these folks to break in to these um, i guess premier executive recruiters, people That's like yourself that deal with only executive positions and they're in the know and they have their ear to the ground, and they, they're getting these you know jobs that are not posted you know and so when I think about you know I remember back when I was a very, very young man, actually calling Spencer Stewart like the main line in New York and just Asking for a recruiter that I saw on the internet, and they're like, "Well, who are you?" <laughs> right? And I'm like, right. "Well, I'm just, you know, I'm just some dude, and I heard you guys get people jobs, and I'm looking for a job, and you know, of course, I never got a call go back. But I mean, it's it's really, really, and I was, you know, very young and just trying to understand how to navigate the market and, and
2: manage. All right. Well, look, how does that? Yeah, work? and, I mean, and it, again, it yeah, and, and and you know, what, so tell me like maybe a quick primer, maybe that's what you're looking for. Um, and I'm a former big search firm guy. I'm not going to, I was, uh, uh, alum of, I'm an alum of Russell Reynolds Associates, great firm. I have regard for, you know, all the big firms out there and I have a regard for a lot of the small firms. And frankly, I, <laughs> I'm one of those weird dudes who had worked contingent and retained and also contract staffing from um, a header standpoint. And I think there's value in all, all four, you know, kind of avenues there. Not every big, big firm search guy will agree with that, but, uh, but I'm, I, I'm going to kind of, I'm not going to, Knock on my big firms uh, broadly, but I will say firstly, um, there are headhunters who find people jobs and there are headhunters who work on behalf of their clients. The big firm folks work on behalf of their clients I work on behalf of my my clients, and I say that because um, you know we're not covering all the bases out there it's just so much going out there, and you know, it's hard hard to get a grasp of everything so you know we we Stay in our lanes in terms of our clients. What we're working on and our outreach is, is basically we're looking for the person who, rec- who's wearing green socks on, on Tuesdays. A very specific profile for a very specific position. That said, and again, I'll, I'll, this is a quick primer. Um, a good head will always be looking to you know, expand their network, you know, meet people, talk to people. I think the challenge here, George, is that the big firm, because of the model, it's, it's a very, intense, uh, high, high volume, you know, high overhead, high volume business. So they are, you know, at big firms, they don't have the luxury of talking to a lot of folks outside of the, those project bandwidths, And so they just frankly just won't. And I think unfortunately there's the rub because there's a lot of quality folks who kind of get left on the wayside unintentionally, but it kind of feels personal. I I get it. Um, I try not to be that person. (laughs) Maybe I, uh, you know, I, I, I say jokingly, maybe I'm not as successful because of that, because I, I've always looked to play the long-term game in terms of getting to know people for the long-term, not just what wor- you know, I'm working on here and now. I'm very interested in meeting people with different backgrounds to learn about what they're doing, to learn new things. Yes, um I love you know.
3: that idea, right? It's a marathon, not a sprint. You know but but George I think what 's interesting here is you know we kind of have to look at you know like if you 're a candidate or someone looking to make a movie, like you must have to look at yourself and say what 's my brand am i am I putting myself out there? Am I out speaking? Do people know who I am like am I putting myself in the right social circle right it 's like a you know a high school kid trying to get you know get a scholarship in college and playing football right he 's probably got to put his his highlight reel together, ship it out, get it out there you know how much in the community do we think we're we 're not Doing, you know, there's not enough of a platform for people to get their brand out there right now, I don't think.
2: Well, and it's it's for George or you want me to respond, George?
3: Yeah. Steve,
1: give us your thoughts on what he's talking about. Yeah. I
2: think I, so, so I, um, I I talk about this a a lot and, you know, I'm conscious of, you know, um, there's a con, you know, you talk to various folks, should CISOs, CIO, CISOs, the, the, Conscious of the brand and getting out. I mean, I'd say yes and no. I mean, uh, I think they should first and foremost, we'll all agree, focus on their job and, and and keep keeping the bad guys out. But there is um, mechanically part of your day to day, you know, process week to week. You know, in, internal inside the organization. You know, networking. Um, we know, we know, senior CISOs, George. I'm sure that kind of just hunker down and kind of the blinders on and, and, and don't do a very good job of, you know, working laterally across the organization, which I would say is for a CISO or, or just a hire an executive um, you know, cyber person, you know, you need to be you know, tapped in across the organization to, to what's going on, networked in what's going on across the organization. But beyond that, to your point, Andy, um, yeah, and, and most people are not comfortable doing that. You're reaching out um, it's different meeting in a cocktail where you bump into somebody and just kind of chat. It, it, it is a proactive outreach. And a lot of folks, particularly kind of in the, in the cyber world, may not be comfortable doing that. And it is breaking out of your comfort zone. And uh, You know, it is kind of one, you know, both eyes in front of you, but you kind of have to keep one eye out on the long, longer term as well, in terms of for your own kind of career development, if you will. Um, there are CISOs, we all know, kind of like to kind of go and fix things and move on. Those guys just kind of naturally kind of have part of their DNA, I think, is to be networked. A lot of the folks who are just kind of doing day-to-day, just grinding it out, uh, let's face it, there's not enough hours in the day. And then you ask, you ask somebody to, we well, have to kind of go network as well. But again, if you're part of executive level pro forma, I would say is that's, that's kind of part of the job in terms of if you want to be, you know, what, what degree of success you want to have? Because I'm not saying you have to do it and you will to have success, but if you want to be uber successful, I mean, it's just part of you know. look at anybody. It's part of the part of their DNA is, is networking and, and getting out there and getting out of your comfort zone and being tapped into those folks. Listen, it takes George, you, it takes eight to 10 years for a head owner to build a practice. Generally, that's not my, that's not my yeah, goal. I was going to say and, that. And, and
1: it takes a long time. So, and, I and, and so uh,
2: and, ahead, and I'm doing it on the, the back end. I'm a former head uh, wall street guy. So it's, it's, <laughs> people, thought I was that's when I was doing it, and I don't get into that. It's a different story, but the point is, um, it, you know, you're not going to as a very successful cyber d- dude. If you, if you forgive me, who just you know, I, I want to kind of start networking. It, you can start any time, but it's not. You're not going to make connections, you know, on the first call, the second call. It takes <laughs> time. To, you know, it's a trust factor. I mean, let's face yeah. it.
1: Yeah, let, let me just interject here. Do you know how many people get so frustrated that? i, mean, I talked to them about networking i talked to them about you know getting out there and getting their brand building their brand reaching reaching these executive recruiters and they're like well i you know i, I tried and you know, i made some calls this week and it you know didn't work out <laughs> it's like what are you talking about dude i mean a, a week i mean it takes a, a long time man like you said it takes a decade of networking every single week to really build a, a very formidable network i mean the amount of effort that I put into building the network is, is is huge over the over the years, and it's you know it's worked out very well for me. And um, you know I, I know I think I feel like I know all the, the the executive recruiters in the industry, like for all the even the small firms, the big firm people like yourself. I think we met on a on a panel, right? I think we were talking yep. about it before. You yep. and I met on a panel. We were talking together at a, on an event. So this that's how things
2: happen. Um, let's move on. But again, let me let me let me let me pause there, George. Sure. You and this was you know this was like six years ago. I mean, you know, your your different place in time here and now. I mean, you were kind of. I mean, you were breaking out. Of, you were it was out of your normal day to day. You did not have time in your day to go downtown to sit on that panel for an hour and then get you know. And, but you, you forced it. It's kind of you kind of have to force those things. I would say it's not just about networking with the headhunters. The best network for headhunter, the best way to get tapped in by headhunters is if your name keeps coming up as, as you know, when headhunter is source, that's how we kind of make our day-to-day kind of getting to know. It's not just LinkedIn researcher and all that. It's talking to folks like you. Hey, I'm working on this. It's probably not right for you, but you know somebody. Here it is. And, And then when somebody's name gets kind of brought up two or three times, you know, doesn't, you know, over the course of several months, that says something. So it's you. I know you do it. I know Andy does it, but networking amongst your cyber brethren and, and you know, getting the credibility there. That's what we're looking for. I mean, on the end, the client doesn't care so much about what the headhunter says. The client cares about what the, the network of the peer group network says and that we're communicating and that's what we do.
1: So there are hundreds of thousands of jobs out there right now. You see all kinds of numbers like, oh, there's cybersecurity, you know, a talent crisis and there's hundreds of thousands of jobs. But you work with the more senior jobs in the industry. So I got to ask you, how many roles are you working on right now? Because it would seem to me the amount of entry-level to mid-level positions that are open is enormously disproportional to the amount of senior-level positions that are open right now. There's not a lot. You know, when people say, oh, there's all these positions open, you know, it's not like there's a lot of senior-level positions open right now. And, it, and, and when you talk about geographical location in the United States, even abroad, it gets kind of complex because, you know, you know, people, whether they want to move or they don't want to move and things like that. But, look, I, I understand it's a pyramid, but something doesn't seem right. It's very disproportional. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, I, I, I have, I actually have a clear thought. I, I'm not sure you're like the answer though, but I, and I think we chatted about this when I first joined Quantum. I, I, I've sensed that myself. I mean, you know, over the years and I love working, you know, CISO work. I've been, I've been on my soapbox about deputy CISO and a very significant position. Love doing that work. Not everybody kind of, people are starting to buy into that, I think, whether you call it deputy or not, but just you know, building the bench and we can talk about that if you want. But, I, I like being stick with the clients. I don't like waiting for the phone ring for the next CISO retained search, you know, CISO project. And so, to your point, a lot of the flow work is that the VP below VP level work. I mean, listen, everybody needs a ton of security engineers. Um, yeah, we, we know that. I mean, I'm, you know, so well, I, I think that was my point, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of analysts. And so, and there's, so, sock,
1: there's sock. people. Everyone needs, you know, they're building socks everywhere. They right. Need all these analysts and these engineers. and if you look. Those were where all the jobs are. Those, those were the, you know, the, when you go into the tens of thousands of jobs, I mean, it's really, that's where it's
2: at, right? Well, and that's why I'm at, at Quantum, because as a firm, and I'm, I'm, I'm not here to kind of orally hype-hype from hype, Quantum, but you, I mean, I, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't take a moment to say, I think what breaks us apart from our, 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 our pure competition, uh, yes, I do senior level work, tends to be retained, tends to be exclusive, tends to be kind of high-end executive level. But uh, a lot of the work that I bring in for our, our firm is at that kind of uh, DP and below level, even kind of junior level. And we'll do a lot of that work on a contingent basis. Ideally, it's exclusive, you know, non-retained, but contingent, and contract staffing because, I mean, that's just, like I said, I like to be particularly with clients. That's what the need is. And then out of that, kind of just naturally, organically, the senior work kind of comes. To your point, George, about kind of where all the senior jobs, I think, you know, this, this, this whole cyber, it's, an epi- it's episodic. I mean, I don't mean, tell you guys, cyber's been around for, for more than just kind of ten, uh, this 10 year window that we're all kind of, the, the, the broad public kind of is focused on. Uh, and I would kind of argue, kind of, it kind of came in with, um, you know, uh, uh, General Alexander, you know, kind of rolling off of NSA, I think it kind of cyber went mainstream. That's just kind of my, you know, shoot from the hip, kind of where I say kind of went mainstream or main street, if you will. But it's been around for a lot, that bit, a long longer than that. But the, the point is, um, you know, organizations broadly kind of got, got on the, the cyber uh, bus bandwagon just over the past 10, 10 years, I would say. And so naturally they kind of started focusing on the senior position. So a lot of those are locked in just because of just where they're at. I mean, there is changing, but it's, it's, it's more just, you know, one-for-one one trades largely. Um, I mean, there's still new, new CISOs being hired, you know, first time CISOs and all that, but largely everybody has a CISO and some type of CISO structure. And I mean, it's, it, it's, so we're in this kind of cycle now where it's, um, it's going to change again, and it's going to open up. People are going to retire. People are going to, frankly, get fired. And people are going to, and so just like there's a a natural um, consolidation cycle. I think we're in the fourth or fifth cyber consolidation cycle. I think we're probably in the the second, you know, cyber executive level um, um, episode of a kind of a of a series, if you will. And so, I mean, it will come again. It's just right, right here and now. I, mean, so, I want to talk active. a
1: little bit about something that might be a little uncomfortable, but there, there's a lot of employers out there that are extremely difficult to work with, I think, and I get a lot of feedback from, from recruiters who tell me that, you know, they're just not listening to them, and, and, you know, they don't even know what they want a lot of times, and they kind of put these wrecks out there, and then they get the candidate pool, in and they sit there, and they talk to the, these folks that are taking their time, sometimes they take days off. They prep. The enormous amount of prep goes into these interviews. They're, you know, yep. obviously good jobs, and then only to hear from the recruiter back. Well, you know, they're changing the rec or they're pulling it down or they're moving it to somewhere else or there's an internal argument about who the person should report to. I mean, it's a total mess, right? So, I guess my my and you got a hard job because you got to bring these candidates to the table and yep. you're you know selling the job, obviously selling your client, and then you're, and then your client in some respects maybe isn't doing right by you from a recruiters, perspective. I don't know if you, I mean, I'm not speaking for you. I'm just saying this is feedback that I got from a lot of other recruiters. And I, I've seen this in action many times. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like how, how do you manage that?
4: Well,
2: I, I, uh, again, I, in my former life as a wall street had investment banking header, I should say. Uh, it was, really pro forma. A lot of organizations would just want a search to kind of get market intel and then cancel it. I mean, that's, and then it, but it was known. I mean, it's part of the game. People knew it. It kind of was just kind of accepted, even from the Canon side. Um, I would say, I, it, it, it's, I, have there been a couple funky, frustrating moments with a couple of clients we've had along the way? Uh, sure. Uh, I can't speak for the rest of my, I can't speak for the broad community. And, and, and they're, they're, I, fortunately I haven't had, you know, a lot and I've had scenarios where we, we, they couldn't be addressed. But what I've done in those cases, uh, I, you know, frankly it's a heart to heart with the clients that, you know, th- this is, I understand you know, you, you're having a rethink. I first off to determine if they're, if it's genuine or not. And if it's, if it's if, it's, if, not, if, if we're not working with a client who's gen- genuine, you know, with us and with the candidates, frankly, we're gonna fire ourselves. I've done that once or twice before. Um, I just, I just, there's too much, other opportunities to, you know, we represent our clients in the market. We, we, we market their storyline, if you will, it's part of our, and I got to buy into it. And if it's, you know, there's too many opportunities I can go otherwise. So that's, that's kind of, you know, period. But, you know, usually listen, and this is where I like working with clients who bring us on, you know, it's a partnership. We're kind of in an advisory role and they'll, they'll, they'll take on our, our input. They don't always listen to it, but at least they'll take it on i think i think you're shooting yourself in the foot here maybe not that strong language i think um you're you're sending mixed mis- signals um and in, in my cyber it's only happened twice where you know they kind of we've had to have a heart heart to heart and they have adjusted but to your point though george i i'd say um some of it is uh i'm sure intentional and, and frankly a lot of it is unintentional it's just you know they're it's people just don't know what to do with this, the cyber thing. And so it's, it's uninformed professionals, you know, non-cyber folks trying to figure out what to do. And I I would say that, um, you have executive management relying on HR, HR doesn't really know a lot about the cyber thing. So it's, um, they're, they're, they're kind of flying blind. And, and the, the end result is, uh, you, the prospective candidates are getting, uh excuse my French screwed. Um, you know, what to do about it is, um, you know, the, the, the line manager who's hired for that position, who's going to be impacted because they can't, you know, they're not able to hire that person, needs to go with HR, but go to you know, the management team and say, this is wrong, this needs to change. And this is, that's kind of actually where we had a chance last week, Andy, when we were together on the panel, but that's where I was going to go next as well in terms of, uh, it's, you know, everybody likes to kind of um, dump on HR. It's nice. I mean, HR is flying blind here. The line manage, managers need to go with HR and go to senior, the management team or senior, the executive team and say, listen, this is what is going on. We're, we're doing ourselves an injustice here, and that's just not happening yet. That's not an answer you're going to like, George. So, it, doesn't, so, you know, it doesn't give you no, a kind of closure on no. it, but that's, that's, I think that's what's going on.
1: No, I'm fine with the answer, actually. I mean, I'm fine with it. Hey, look, you mentioned the deputy director position, which I – uh, I, I, or the deputy CISO position, which I really agree with. And um, uh, I'm a big proponent of because I don't think everybody can have all the skill sets needed to do a CISO position. And there's a lot of support that's needed. And so, I mean, how critical is it to have a bench out there? Because it, it, especially in your view, do most companies even have a bench. Because I mean, I, 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 I see it out there that they don't even have the right starters in many cases, let alone have the right bench. But I mean, are people listening to you with the deputy position? What are your thoughts around that uh, as
2: a, as a, as a. Yeah, it's something I'm very passionate about George and it's, uh, are people listening to me? I, 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 think the short answer is probably not. Uh, I'm just one voice out there, but I am starting to see some movement on it. And, and again, it goes back to being operational. You know, my Marine Corps days, you always, the best operational, um, uh, the operational readiness you can have is when you as the, the leader or, or the CISO is away or removed and the team is operating just as effectively without you. And the only way you can do that is to have a good group of, you know, um, sub-lieutenants or just, you know, one, one, one level down uh, leaders, um, whatever organization, in this case, you know, we'll call it deputy CISO. And it, you really have to call the person deputies or, or deputy or deputies. But you know, it could be the, the your your SOC person. It could be your incident response person. The, the, the two or three people, depending on the size of the organization, or three or four, who are uh, most c- capable of a doing their job as well as being multitasked to doing other jobs. You should be cross pollinating, cross fertilizing in terms of their skill sets. Hopefully, that's going on within their teams as well. And then, and then you know, l- listen, we're talking about recruiting. CISOs are gonna be pulled away. They're gonna be recruited away. If they're really good, they may be pulled up to do something else in the organization. And you as a leader, I think, your know, your your principal job is to make sure that unit, your CISO's office, is as capable as can be with the skill set they have, the capabilities they have in terms of your your, your staff to do their job anytime with, with you present or without you. I mean, CISOs travel a lot, same thing. What happens You know, if they can't get back, uh, there's a, there's a major breach and they're stuck on the other side of the world. I mean, you know, for all these very real reasons, I think it's incumbent to to build a bench. Now, is it done? Um, seeing some progress, you know, um, we actually are on two positions currently, uh, deputy CISOs. One is called a deputy CISO, one is just, you know, it's a, it's effectively a deputy CISO. And we've done a couple others over the past, uh, Call it twelve to eighteen months. So, um, I'd say in part on two occasions, it's probably due to all our advising our clients along that way, and others it just kind of happened serendipitally. So, um, I can't give you any rhyme or reason, but I think it's just kind of again with all everything in cyber, it's so yep. new, you know, it's a paradigm. So, it's, things are kind of yep. catching up.
1: Well, it's going to be interesting to see how this develops. We're going to skip all the internal commercials right now. We're going to pause just a quick message from our sponsors, and then we're right back with our special guest. Managing Director of Quantum Search Partners, Mr. Steven Spagnuolo. Whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity.
5: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
6: And the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Cynet. S i n e t. Email is having an identity crisis. It's just too easy for attackers to spoof trusted brands or even the government. That's why over eighty percent of email attacks are based on fake identities. The solution is to stop the fakes before they get to the inbox. That's why enterprises use Valley Mail. It's a trusted identity-based email security solution. Find out if your domain can be spoofed and request a complete free phishing analysis at ValleyMail.com.
4: In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management.
0: You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Ritas. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at TaskForce7Radio.com. Again, that's Task Force 7 with the number 7, Radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Ritas.
1: Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with our special guest, the Managing Director of Quantum Search Partners, Mr. Steven Spagnuolo. So, Steve, I always talk about certifications with people in the industry. And, and you know, it, it, I guess a lot of people are out there, especially the really technical people, really sort of uh, poo-poo on the certifications. They're like, ah, oh, yes, you don't need all those certifications. It doesn't mean anything. You have these certifications. It doesn't mean anything. You know, real-life world experience. And I think there's a lot of credibility to that. I mean, there's a lot of credence to that, I should say. And I think especially as when you get, like, um, along in your career, and you got 20 years in, on the job, and you're a, a CISO, and you're looking to make a lateral move to another CISO position, and the, and the, and the rec says, you know, CISS require, or CISSP required. What does a guy who has, like, 10 years as a CISO, uh, one of the largest companies in, 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 the, in the world, need a CISSP for? It? I mean, what, what do you think?
2: I, George, and again, I, I want to qualify this. I'm just a headhunter, I'm not a, a cyber guy like you and, and Andy are through and through. Um, but I, I think kind of five, seven years ago, they were uh, perhaps more of an impactful barometer, just kind of kind of, just getting to know, know folks. I think, to your point though, I, I generally don't get caught up in, in certifications when I'm looking at a candidate. I don't even look for them on the CV necessarily. Our clients still like to put them in there uh, in terms of the spec. And, you know, if we're asked to help write the spec, um, we'll have a conversation on that. And often it's around, you know, yes, we'll we'll, we'll identify those certifications and, and, and point them out. But I don't want to limit ourselves or disqualify folks uh, because... And I, I'm not sure. You know, there's a lot of reasons why somebody may not have that certification. They may just be doing a great job and just not have the time to kind of go go do it. I, I don't think it's a uh, in and of itself a disqualifier, um, especially at the at the senior levels. For more technical, um, you know, p- perhaps I'll be honest with you. A lot of our clients, uh, not so much for the CISO, but for you know in the engineering uh, side of the house, they'll they'll do their own you know in house pro forma, not pro forma, but uh, bespoke. Um, exam, you know, it's, it's kind of a combination of oral and written. And, you know, so I, why, why are we getting caught up with the certifications anyway, if you're going to kind of do that? So I, I think um, it's, it's a nice thing to have. I, 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 from a, as a head owner, I don't like to get caught up in them. And I ask our clients, let's not kind of uh, limit ourselves out the gate by, you know, excluding somebody.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's interesting because go ahead, Go ahead. Andy. One of
3: the biggest things we look for, right, is, is PhD, right? Passion, heart and drive.
2: Right. <laughs> That's, I mean, exactly. I mean, again, I, I, it, it, you know, listen, there, there are critical positions where they just to be hardcore tech, but, it, you know, the levels where I think we're kind of talking about right, right here at the upper, upper ranks, um, you know, it's, it's leadership, oper, operation, operational wherewithal, right. you know, communication. Um, uh, you know, cyber in the know. I mean, I would say <laughs> a bigger certification out there. You know, kind of spagnola certification is just how 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 much are you knowing what's going on in the cyber world? I and mean, that's a hard thing to do, just to keep up with things. You know, and and there, there is a skill set to that as well. I would I would argue. I'm going to go off tangent. Um, and you know, of course, you know risk risk uh, wherewithal, risk analysis. Um, so a lot of that stuff doesn't really show up in certifications. You know.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think you know, I, I think there's uh, it depends on the position. I think every everything is different. We've had guests on the show that don't even have a college education, I mean they're they're geniuses. Well, I mean, you know, I've they have no formal that's, education. That's a whatsoever. corollary there too, yeah. Yeah. Right, right, so I mean, forget certifications. I mean, you know, I mean, there's people out there, so I think you have to look at every every person individually. I think you're right though. I think you know, the, we don't want to put a lot of weight on it, but then again, you don't want to completely dismiss it. I think it has to be balanced. And it depends on the position. It depends on the certification being required. I just think that some of these more senior positions that have these required certifications are just kind of silly unless, you know, they're very small. You know, like we, like we spoke about in earlier episodes, not all CISO positions are created equal, right? And by far. Right. right. By far. It's, it's not even the same thing, right? So how about this? How about the validity and the notion that there can be too many moves in one's resume, right? Somebody moves around. Now, the young folks, they move around a lot. I mean, you know, they're yep. going around every two years, of going here, going there. I mean, they're working the system, you know. I mean, they're working it much better in, in some cases than, you know, I think uh, we did when we were younger, right? I mean, they were, they're just really – and that's maybe because there's a lot of opportunity, though, right? And there's – in those positions, those SOC positions, those analyst positions, those engineer. I mean, they're really just going from – in the financial sector, you could see them moving from bank to bank, from Morgan to Goldman to JP, and just getting those raises. Right. What, what do you think about no, the yeah, Is that going to hurt them in the future? Or what is that?
2: Well, well, I, I again, um, it, it sounds convenient. Uh, I'm not using it as an excuse, but we're kind of in a, a new sector that has kind of new rules, new rules of the road. And you know, one of the reasons why we, we can't get, we can't get out of our own way sometimes is because we're kind of trying to put Rules and, and for other sectors, of the way things used to be done in this kind of new developing sector, and it's the reality of of of, of this market, this cyber market. There, there, are just not enough quality folks out there to do all the positions, and you know these engineers especially are, are almost kind of like you know rock stars, and they they you know the good ones know it, uh, or at least the at least just say the, the good ones who, who are um, extroverted and um, you know, uh, proactive. You know, know, know it. Um, you know, it's, it's your original question, too many moves. And again, it, it, it's based on based on what? Based on kind of the old paradigm? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess too many moves can, can bite you uh, in the rear end, I, I guess. And it comes up. Listen, we have clients along and we, we, we continue to educate our clients. You know, yes, understand this is what you're used to. But it, for engineers right now, it's not unusual to see somebody have, you know, in the span of eight years, two or three different um, you know, firms and they're 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 being recruited away. See it's in context as well. Are they being fired? Are they kind of leaving on their own or are they being recruited away? I would say somebody who's being recruited away, you know, that person certainly is attractive. And then you kind of ask, well what, you know, are they going just for the money or are they kind of care about their organization as well? So um, there's a lot of things going on, but I I, I think again we're limiting ourselves if we exclude based on certifications, based on moves just in and of themselves and, you know, your point earlier on, on, you know, college, you know, undergraduate degrees. I mean, if IBM, that state placed at IBM, if, if, if they can kind of put in a new, you know, let's, let's not exclude people based on not having an undergraduate degree. I mean, I, I think that's pretty telling. Um, so if you're a very, if, if you're a very high performing young uh,
1: person, young professional in the cybersecurity industry, and in the financial markets, I, and you got the right mentorship, you could probably significantly increase your earning potential in your younger years. And then obviously that, that falls into your later years as well. And over time, make so much more money. I mean, it's not even close. Right? When, you're, when you're talking about a 20, 25, 30-year career, if you make those, those moves when you're younger – because what's the average move when someone leaves a job? What's the average raise when someone uh, makes a move? Are you talking at least a 20% pop? Is that, is that what they're looking at? at the, even at those, I mean, I, I'm seeing the younger folks getting a lot more than 20%. I'm seeing 30, 40, 50% pops.
2: Um, it's kind of, I mean, are we talking like a, a, a director engineer or? Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've seen
4: people
1: making $100,000 a year, going, taking a job, making $150,000 a year the next day like it's like it's that ba- that bad that's that that, that is out. going
2: on yes yes then, so a lot of engineer I mean, we will see kind of you know just kind of in the, you know kind of below vp level or, or below vp level you know somebody who's making 130 to 160 somewhere in that range you know security engineer uh, if they're pulled away you know, that will pop up you know from 130 to you know 150 160 and then, then from 1 160 to you know 180 190 um, and there are security engineers below VP making, you know, a lot of them making north of 200.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 even mentored this, uh, this director and, uh, you know, he came to me and he was, he was making, uh, you know, X amount of dollars. And I thought it was very, um, low in the marketplace, especially for his value. He's a total rock star, And, uh, you know, it's like, so, okay, he's mentored him a little bit, showed him what to do. A lot of times you got to get the employer to, I don't respect your marketability as well, right? Because I feel like the employer actually feels like they're in charge, and unless you actually show your value in the marketplace by bringing a letter, a letter to them of intent from another company, showing, hey, look, this is how much I'm valued in the marketplace at this, this you know X amount of dollars, and you're paying me, you know, Y or whatever, right? It's, it's that's when companies actually say, okay, we got to start paying attention. I know a lot of there's some real. Uh, so that's a huge
2: that, point, George, and that's a that's a huge point. Um, and again, it's educating senior management. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not getting them off the hook. Great management. They should be doing this. I think you realize, you know, push question, we know what we know. What don't we know? And let's go find the answers. You know, let's figure out what we don't know and let's go find the answers. And this is relative to, to cyber. And part of that is you know, understanding the market out there. It's, it's so much easier to work hard at retaining people versus working hard at recruiting people. I mean, you have to work hard to retain people. We, I know I don't forget to get into that at all, but it looks, I mean, recruiting is a royal pain in the butt. It takes, it's a time suck on everybody, you know? I mean, that's why <laughs> our are owners, if it was an easy thing, we all do it ourselves, you know? I think. I mean, uh, if I can just get to your point earlier, uh, you know, I'm not going to get a pollutant. I mean, not every great security engineer wants to aspire to be a CISO or a SOC guy. I mean, people like kind of being, you know, Maybe below under the, the, the you know the, the senior most leader decision maker, and I get that, but but I still think it comes to you. Know, if you do well at your job, or you're doing well at your job, and you know, ideally if you have some mentorship around you, and this is a market if you're doing well and you have folks, the sponsorship either inside the organization or outside the organization, and you know there, there's reasons for both, and I'm okay into that now, but you will write your own ticket. And I just want to make sure it's a little different than kind of just making all about the money. I mean, listen, we, I get that this, people just want to go and make as much money as they can in, in 15 years and retire. But in terms of being the quality career cyberist, I mean, this, this market's not going to cycle down in that sense. So, you know, focus on the work, your, your work, your credibility, your, your reputation is your brand. And that will kind of flourish over the continuum. Andy, what do you say?
3: Man, I I, I got a question, man, because I feel like there's a point at which, you know, we talked about analysts hopping from every two years, every year and a half, and there's a... They do run the risk that they're going to be underskilled for one of these jobs at some point, but Steve, I'm curious from your perspective, as you get past the analyst level you start getting into jobs where you're at executive ranks and you're starting to get equity, right, and you still have this mindset of like, I need to leave every two or three years, right, how do you get your clients or candidates to make the mindset shift from, my, my base isn't really going to jump anymore like it used to, right? Every time I made a move, right, now, right. and my equity is going to kick in and now I've got LTI and I've got all these other incentives. And how do you get people to make that, you know, candidates make that mind shift change?
2: Well, uh, you know, I, I spend, I guess I'll kind of flip it around. I, I'll, I'll, where I spend my time is talking to our clients about, how they can do what you just said, and you know it's it's you know there there are there's a certain percentage are just gonna, just you know they're they're uh, attention deficit disorder disorder they just need to move because they're getting bored or whatever but I, I that is a small percentage I think the bulk if there is a pathway to develop and be intellectually challenged. I mean, a lot of people love cyber because so it's challenging because it's so new, right? I mean, I'll ask you guys. I mean, I think part of the reason why you like what you're doing is it's intellectually rigorous, you know, day in, day out. Um, and so, if there is a pathway there in, internally, uh, you know, most folks are going to stay, you know. And they, they have to be also educated that it's not about title promotion every two years. You know, there's only so many titles they get to give out in any one organization. But you know, if you can do things along the way to make you know. Uh, your day-to-day, your week-to-week, year-to-year, challenging and invigorating and kind of growth-oriented. Um, you know, and, and listen, at some point, we have to let the, the great people go. You know, McKinsey is you know, great at, Goldman Sachs is great at doing that. You know, they have a tremendous alumni network. They develop it and they, they, they nurture it and they kind of let it go. Those are the best most people about their own organization. So it, it, it's a tough thing to do. Uh, I think it's part of being a great organization a lot of organizations don't do it or don't do it very well. Um, again, it's, it's, you know, it's a kind of a frustrating answer because it's, it's not I a would, perfect I answer, wanna, but that's, wanna, that's wanna, what I'll give you.
1: I was going to say, I think organizations depend on the ignorance of the employee to retain them and get them to be robots and get them just to, you know, make the donuts for them. I really do. Because if you, if you, have, if you have really skilled people who understand, not, let, let's even break it down into the simplest form, even sectors, Right? If you have a, say there's a, cyber, let's just give it a, a generic uh, name, a cybersecurity manager. There's a cybersecurity manager job requisition out there for retail and for finance, right? It's the same job, but it pays like 50% more in finance. What, what do you, you know, if people actually knew that, <laughs> like you know, and I, the young folks I'm saying, understand when I teach in colleges, when I go guest lecture, they don't understand this. They don't understand anything. They just think a job is a job, is a job, and it's not. And then when, but when you when you really when you start to mentor these these young folks, especially in their early twenties, and you know especially diversity candidates, which everybody's fighting over, you know, right? Uh, in the marketplace, I mean, they can write their own ticket in a lot of these uh, cases. I mean, they can just get up and leave whenever they want. I mean, I, I mean, I I really feel like it, it's just war out there in, in terms of talent and this young talent. I mean, a lot of the companies they spend money. Uh, you know, training these folks, getting them up to date, but they don't really respect their value in the market. And that's why they're leaving. And that's why I see a lot of these kids move from job to job. So my when they ask me, Hey, you know, am I going to get jammed up in the future? Is it going to be a problem that I'm jumping around? I, I got to tell them, like, look, I, I don't know how you pass up on that opportunity. How do you pass? No. You pass well, up I, right
2: I, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure any of us are saying that. And I'm not, I'm not being, de- I to be defensive, but I, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a funky market. I mean, I like, like, like it's. I mean, you, 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 what you just outlined is, is valid and it's real. And, and, you know, in, in large part folks who are genuine and not just kind of completely, you know, you know, the heck with my organization, you know, attitude, um, you know, they're they're it, the, the market's driving that uh, we shouldn't fault the person for staying the course as well. And, you know, Wall Street will always pay more than, than, than non-Wall Street. We know that, you know, we're financed broadly just kind of, Rightly or wrong, that's the way it is. I, you know, you brought up an interesting point earlier, George, and, and it's not the first time I've heard it. And I've talked to Ken, it's about it, but it's underappreciated. It takes a lot of uh, personal will and fortitude to do something like this, and probably some mentorship. But you know, that 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 junior mid-level person going in, and you know, to HR or to their hiring manager or two levels up, and saying you're just saying this is what the market's value. I mean that. That is huge. It takes a lot to do that, but there, there, there. Are, that's a great uh, way to break the logjam that you just outlined. You know, and it's probably not just. You know, I'm not saying we have 50 people line up at the door all day long doing that, but it, 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 there's a lack of education out there. The cyber folks know it, and you know. He, he, okay, let me take a step back. I, you know, today's to, I'm not going to be cold cynical. Excuse me, for George, it, it, what you just outlined to you, but. I will you say just this. Call me cynical, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know it's never been you've <laughs> never been heard that for. <laughs> uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I
1: I have to have the to pushback a little bit. That's a fact. What I just said—that's happening in the marketplace right no, now. No, I, I know it is. Remote.
2: No, no. I, I, I but, but but what I will say this is: I think I think senior management have gotten lazy. They they kind of got you know seven to ten years ago we're getting beat for not having you know any semblance of a cyber organization. They finally put money into it and hired people, and frankly, they're sitting back and say, "Okay, we got this now." And guess what? They're they're only kind of you know you know a quarter of a mile into a you know a half a marathon or a marathon, you know. And so they they have to be you know further educated, and then frankly, have to be kind of knocked off the rock, or they're you know just sitting back. And it's it's all tickers. It's this radio show. It's a headhunter it's the line manager, it's the junior person kind of going up. And, and, you know, and again, I put the emphasis more on the executive team versus just HR because they get their marketing orders from the executive team. And they, you know, they've gotten lazy because they kind of think they have it covered. And it's no, it's the sector is driving everybody batty because it's a lot of new rules, you know, and it's just challenging everybody.
1: Yeah, so look, in the last episode, we talked to Leo Tadio about if we're really hiring the right people in the CISO positions. And, and in general, I think the answer was no. Um, because there's such a heavy uh, dependency on some, some, sometimes on technical skills and not leadership skills and people skills and social and business skills. But and then we we also touched upon with you before about the you know the deputy position, which I'm a, a big advocate of. I think that would solve a lot of problems in these organizations, um, and I think that and uh, in, in, in it makes a lot of sense, especially in a larger organization. But, you know, so, so we have this sort of tumultuous market. We have so younger folks sort of moving around, taking advantage of some of the opportunities out there. But typically, it is believed that people leave bosses and not companies, right? And so is that true in your experience? I mean, what are the top reasons that candidates are actually looking to to, to make a move?
2: Um, can, can I just qualify? I, I just want to be very clear because I have to. I, I want to be surgery I wasn't suggesting that um CISOs the makeup of CISOs is, is wrong or we were hiring the wrong CISOs and I, I, hiring a CISO just based on technical set can be, be limit or can be limiting I just you know it's important for me to distinguish that um just for my clients out there um I I think um you know we go to work you know we we, we spend most of the time with our colleagues versus you know our families. If you think about it in terms of just kind of day to day interaction, you know, minutes of the day, um, and you know, and, and kind of a boss is like a coach. You know, you're you're spending. You know, I'm I'm contemplating sending our kids away to college and potentially you know to play sports, and, and they're going to be spending more time with their college coaches than their teachers, and frankly, than their their parents. And so, um, it it kind of has to be a right match because if it's not. Somebody's going to leave. I mean, it's it's not going to be the boss. It's going to be the, the person. So I have three finalist candidates we're talking to right now. I'd say definitely two of them. A large part is because the person who um, they're working with or working for. Um, you know, it's not so much the the person is a complete jerk. It's just they. they they don't agree with the way, the direction they're, they're taking the, the, the group or their, their just kind of orientation towards a particular cyber pathway. Um, and so, I, you know, the, on that basis alone, I'd say it's way towards the, the person versus the organization. But, you know, I, I've had other folks in the past who, you know, the, the organization, they are the service to the cyber posture. Um, you know, a CISO who just cannot, it's con- you know, we all have to bang on the door and kind of, you know, ask and you're never going to get enough and you have to be able to do more with less. But, you know, you don't want to be completely feel completely exposed where you're just going to be left out to dry. You know, uh, I, I, right. I, I'd i say a, a CISO who, you know, it's, we, it's easy for us because we think of a grant. I mean, we all know CISOs, I mean, it's, it's a new perfect science. You're going to get whacked, you're going to get it bre- It's just kind of what's the extent of that. So, I literally will see offer letters time and time again, you know, not just my candidates, I'll ask, you know, I'll be kind of from other candidates, you know, I've had in the past and you look at this and it, they're set up They're set up to take the complete hit. I said, you can't sign this, you know, tell your lawyer, you cannot sign this because everything points to you uh, taking the hit and it's not, you know, it's not just you, you're, you're part of the equation, of course. So um, if you're feeling like that, then, you know, you either don't go in that organization or yeah, you probably, if you're feeling completely exposed, well, let's talk about that um, for I'll second. So we
1: got a lot of uh, – you're, you're placing a lot of people in senior positions, including chief information security officer positions. So what, do you, what are the top things that you're telling and, and advising these, these new executives to do when they get into the company? What, what's your advice to them?
2: I, I think uh, – it, it gets back to your original the opening question, George. I guess maybe on the first episode or the earlier episode, it's, you know, form those relationships, form those lines of dialogue. It's absolutely essential. You have to build that, that open dialogue. It's not just up and down. It's across the organization. You have to understand what each business, business unit is doing in and of itself. as part of the larger business. And, you know, frankly, you have to have relationships with, I would argue, with those business unit leaders, not just your executive team and not just, you know, of course you're going to be relationships with your own team. Um, and, you know, and it's about establishing trust because you, you know, they, they want to know that they can trust their CISO, but you need to know that you can trust that they're going to give you the information that you need when you need it, ideally in advance of you needing it, if, if that makes sense. Right. And that's, that's, I mean, it's, it's just kind of grind it out work day in, day out. Get out of the office, get out. It's not, you know, yeah, it's nice to have it go out for a couple of hours. But i they going spending five or ten minutes stopping by, hey, you know, can we kind of catch up? It's, and, you know, some of it's planned, some of it's not planned. It, it, it's absolutely imperative. All right, Steve, we got to take another short break to
1: hear from our sponsors, but don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with more from our special guest, the Managing Director of Quantum Search Partners, Mr. Steven Spagnuolo. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity.
5: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
6: With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Synet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Cynet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Synet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Cynet, S-I-N-E-T.
4: In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management.
6: Email is having an identity crisis. It's just too easy for attackers to spoof trusted brands or even the government. That's why over 80% of email attacks are based on fake identities. The solution is to stop the fakes before they get to the inbox. That's why enterprises use Valley Mail. It's a trusted identity-based email security solution. Find out if your domain can be spoofed and request a complete free phishing analysis at valleymail.com.
1: Mr. Steven Spagnuolo. So, Steve, I want to talk a little bit about the outside-in versus the inside-out approach. Which one is better in your mind?
2: I think they're both necessary, George. Um, and what I, I mean by outside, inside-out, you know, we we develop develop. So, we're talking about recruitment, retention, but the other piece of that, and connected to both, is development. And any quality organization doesn't have to be just cyber. You know, we should be developing our internal staff, not just the juniors, not just the mid-levels, and the executives kind of go on to for broader career-enhancing, career, career enhancing, you know, education and training. So, uh, but for cyber, because it's so dynamic and there's, we, we know there's, there's a war for talent, we're short on talent, you know, a you know, longer list of kind of the challenges, um, we, we, we have to both develop our internal staff so... Just for practical purposes. So we don't spend the recruiting dollars going out. We don't have loss of, uh, we don't, you know, people aren't leaving. Uh, we try to minimize the re, uh, folks uh, leaving. Um, and then, you know, just in terms of people on, on job and doing their job, but also, uh, for a career enhancement, keeping them on board for a longer term. I and mean, again, we discussed folks will stay with an organization longer if they feel that they are valued. And a lot of it, how they feel about it, it's not just about how much they're getting paid, but how much uh, is invested over the continuum of that person developing, you know, uh, gaining greater skills, uh, professional education, and you know, within the, the cyber context, you know, mentorship. So that is very important. That's the inside approach. The outside approach is just for practical purposes. We have to be recruiting people from the outside. Um, you when know, we talked about kind of candidates going out and kind of your know, prospective candidates, you establish your network. I would argue as a, as a hiring manager, and again, I go my Wall Street days, I saw this a lot um, and it's not natural for us because it takes a lot of time, it takes time out of our day. but part of your job as a cyber leader needs to understand who the quality people are out in the market, not just your peer group. I know a lot of CISOs, no other CISOs and all that, not just kind of one level down, but the VPs um, and, and the, the, the folks who are gonna be deputy CISOs or heads of stocks in, in four or five years you know, meet people, don't, you know, and be genuine about it. We're not just you know, soaking them up for information and, and telling their organization, but establish those relationships because in three or four years' time, if you're still a CISO and you have a, your SOC your, your sock you recruit away, you can go to your short list, either yourself or tell the header, include these three people on your list, and, and that's why. So that's the outside approach. There's a lot of dynamic to that. I won't go into further, but it's really a good organization. It's, it's doing both. That's you know, great,
3: great, right? great advice, right? I mean, I've, I've actually leveraged that model and it's, I've had high success with it because I can move at a much faster pace, right? And you're being judged as, you know, when you're coming into a new role is how fast can you build, you know, a high-performing team. And without that ability, you know, without having that network or knowing who's where and being able to slot people into slots in your mind before, you know, you even get to the role is critical.
1: So Andy you know let me throw this out to you i mean're you're, you're a chief of information security officer how are our companies uh, sustaining a continuous fluid operation during at a time when we have this extended staffing shortage and talent crisis I mean, how do you do it
3: It depends on you know your goals right and how you're structured I mean I think you know you, you, you know, i've looked i've leveraged a couple different kinds right as i 've gone through the maturity journey right you've got the fully outsourced you know you've got the the hybrid, and then you kind of move it into a, a almost a 90, 10, 80, 20 uh, in-source, outsource model, right? And so each one's different based on the size of the company. I've had success with both as I've taken programs uh, to different levels of maturity. Um, it does take a commitment um, on both sides, right? The, the outsource partner and your own organization. Um, but I think to start that really could start where Steve was talking about, which is that You know, you've got to have a network of people that you can pull in really quickly that when you pull in their people, you can trust them and operate move quick. Um, You're, in essence, pulling people out of a good situation and convincing them to come into work for you. Uh, And you've got to be able to do that quickly. For those that don't have that network and don't have the ability to do that, and that's where you have to then rely on, you know, the outsource help, you know, go to a a larger company to, to have managed services or things like that, um, and hopefully, you the candidates you're pulling—you know—you're pulling in quickly—have the right level of maturity or understand the level that you can, that your company can um, uh, tolerate at the time you're doing it. Right. Um, so there's those three models, right? source outsourced, and then hybrid. Right, can guys, I so add
2: so that, to that? Uh, just, just yeah. uh, George, uh, just yeah. sure. one add to that. And that was phenomenal, Andy. I, I fully uh, concur. I was very, you know, across the board, but. Part of um, your ability to bring people in, um, an under, underappreciated asset and we as a, a recruiting firm, it's something that we offer to our clients. Again, it's a little bit different than a lot of other of our uh, pure, pure competitors out there uh, on the retained contingent, but also contract staffers. So, you know, it, it's not just, okay, well, let's bring some contractors, but, you know, don't discount the need to have relationships with those contract staff folks out there as well. There are professional contractors. You can, as you guys, as, as kind of long, you know, career intern, you know, long-term internal guys, um, uh, full-time guys, I should say, you, I, I don't know what your view is on, on contractors, but I mean, I, they're, they're just part and parcel of our, our day-to-day cyber out there. And some quality folks just decided, just decided that uh, they're like there on a project basis and like working with a couple of different firms, you know, either all at once or just, you know, consecutively. And so you need to expand that network to their contract staffers as well.
1: Steve, thank you for your service, and thank you for your sacrifice to our country. I appreciate it on this Veterans Day. Thank you so much. I'll give a big hurrah for all the veterans out there. All right, man. I'll, thank, you thank you for I'll having I'll, me, George. Thank and you, Andy. I'm glad you came on. I can't wait to have you back, and uh, let's get together soon and uh, catch up some more. So it's time to bounce up out of here, folks. Before I go, and remind our listeners to visit the Cybersecurity Hub. To read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at www.cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of
0: cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio.